0: Whatever TV show or movie is mentioned, please listen at your own discretion. Welcome to Viewers Anonymous. Oh,
1: welcome to another episode of Viewers Anonymous. I am Scoops Brasher and I am S. Foster. That's right. you tuned in. Oh, man, damn, I messed it up, man. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> and this is where we give our takes and reviews of movies and TV straight out of Hollywood. What's going on with you, man?
2: I can't call it, man. Uh... Glad to be back in the lab, man. Knocking out another pod. Had a uh, so, short, short week this week, you know. What I'm saying we had the holiday Monday and everything. So, uh, but yeah, man, definitely excited to get into this one because you know this one, man. Once we get to it, you know, mm-hmm. this is my field right here. But, yeah. uh, but how you feeling though, man? Everything good with you? Everything back? Uh,
1: the yeah, man. am I'm, I'm, you know, back in the mix, man. Back in the mix. No complaints. Feeling good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, went back to work this week, even though I ain't really go back to work. I only went to work two days. I could, Hopefully, I can get a three-day check because of the holiday, But, you know, outside of that, man, everything has uh, been great. You know what I'm saying? I'm back walking again, feeling normal, so I can't complain.
2: That's what's up, man. Glad to hear that, man. But how the, how the, how the bat feeling, though? Uh, it's feeling a lot better, man.
1: Um, let me tell you something, bruh uh chiropractors are magicians <laughs> you know what i'm saying like for real for real man like they are magicians like i've been i've been three times so far but like every time i go it's less pain and i'm i'm walking more and more straight but like he the, the way he's doing it is he's helping to realign my, like my back oh, she still sound crazy He helping to realign my spine. That's how crazy too, and like he done it in in sections. So like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness! I hope don't none of my dudes see this. So anyway, (laughs) the first time he uh, he did my lower back, and then the second time (laughs) it was my neck. (laughs) <laughs> and then the, the the last time I went, it was my neck and my upper back. So, yeah, I'm getting fixed up, you know what I'm saying? So, But each, each time, like I said, each time I go, man, the pain, it, I mean, like it tremendously reduces. Like today I think was the worst day that I've had since I've been there because I had to pretty much do a job where I was like standing up majority of the day. So, mm-hmm. like at first when I got there, it was like, it was, it started to get painful or whatever. But the more and more, uh, I was standing up, you know what I'm saying? Like it started to go away after a while. And then like, I'd sit back down, get back up and then it'll happen again. So I'm, I'm thinking that it's just because my muscles haven't been stressed. My muscles haven't been used. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? It's cool though. I ain't got no complaints cool deal, man. That's what's up. Man. Glad to hear that. Appreciate it, man. So listen, man, we're about to get into one of our favorite segments, man, and one of the uh, favorite segments of the people that usually watch and listen. is called What We Watching. Let's do it. Let's do it. What We Watching. All right man so um I guess I'll go first this time. Uh so I I found this movie out through a friend on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? He always throwing out like crazy movies or like one of those, you know what I'm saying, like those like C budget movies and shit like that D list movies. So he had this movie called Fall and uh I checked it out. It was from the same people who um pretty much created uh forty seven meters down and it's basically about this girl and her friend they end up climbing this super tall tower it's supposed to be like two thousand feet tall or whatever two thousand meters tall whatever they say two thousand something tall and they climb it and and um she is well before that happened she ended up losing her husband and her friend you know they all used to climb, like, mountains and shit together, but he ends up falling off the mountain, which is crazy, but um her friend, you know what I'm saying, to try to get her back in her spirits was like, yo, let's go climb this, let's, you know, get over your fears, all that shit, like, I'm gonna be with you, let's do this. So they end up doing it, and they get stuck on the top of the tower, as you can see in the picture. If you can't see in the picture and you're listening, it's like they on this real small platform on, like, this big-ass radio tower. And so they get all the way there, and the ladder breaks, so they trying to do, of course, you know they trying to do any and everything they can to find out um, how to get down and use and all these things, and they lose their supplies, but they end up finding a way to get their supplies, but in the midst of doing that, she ends up um going into pretty much like this traumatic shock to where she thinks she's talking to her friend, but shes not she find out or she realized after a while her friend is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she because her friend had climbed down and tried to get the uh su- the supply bag, and she <laughs> she climbed her she climbed her way up, but when she, she almost got up there, she slipped and burned her hand, fell all the way down, and hit one of the little satellite things that's on the thing uh, that's on the tower or whatever. And uh, the girl had pulled up the bag, but she thinking in her head, you know. That her friend got up there too. The whole time she was up there by herself and her friend was dead on the satellite. But she ended up getting saved and shit too. But it's a great movie. If you uh if you want to watch for like a real thrill, this is it. Because the whole time I was just waiting for them to just give up and just jump. But that never happened. One of them actually did get saved. So yeah, but it raised the shit out of my anxiety. But it's called Fall. Um, you can find it anywhere on Amazon Prime, Hulu, Voodoo, I mean not Hulu, Voodoo and anywhere else you can uh, pretty much buy movies. It's 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 a it's a good watch. It's worth the you know what I'm saying one ninety nine, two ninety nine for a good night to you know kick back and watch
2: something. Man, I'm trying to think of what that that was one movie because the way you described that. Reminds me of this one movie where uh, these people had went and I think it was based off a of true story, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that, but like they went on this uh, this diving thing, and then like they had got on there because I was wondering, like, how these people get left out there, and what happened yeah. was when they got oh, back on water open, water. They the open water, that's it, yeah, because yeah. that's because yeah. they did the count and then they forgot something. It. And then those two went back and they left them because was, they counted, been counted been them. Been but, shit. Man, yeah, listen. That was my shit. Yo, I that still watch that TV. That, that was crazy. Open water, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So <clears throat> my, what we're watching is a movie that um, if you listen to certain podcasts, like people have been talking about it, so I figured that I would uh, give it a watch. So um, I see that they released it on HBO Max. Everybody know I'm a huge advocate of HBO Max, so I was like, it's on here for free. Let me go ahead and give it a watch. And that is the new Elvis movie. Um, So I was very interested in watching this for two reasons. For one, to see if that was going to be truthful on some stuff. And the other reason is because Uncle Washington was a huge fan of Elvis. You know what I'm saying? He loved his music. So But going back and watching this movie, the one thing that I did not know that they was going to be heavy on was how much Elvis fucked with black people. And one of the reasons that he did was because when he was really young, when he was a kid, like a kid kid, his dad got arrested for uh, for writing fraud checks. So, you know, back then, the mother well, the dad was the, you know, the caretaker he you know They were the ones who make all the money, so they ended up having to move basically to a black neighborhood because that's the only place they could afford to stay. So he ended up being, you know what I'm saying, coming of age with all black friends. And along the way, he ended up, you know what I'm saying, loving and learning black music, ended up going to this one church, fell in love with the black church, caught the Holy Ghost, all that shit. And so the one thing that I thought and I I knew this wasn't gonna happen because I heard them talk about it on this one podcast, but they didn't really get into like how young his wife was. You know what I'm saying? They kind of they they just said that he was. You know what I'm saying? She was a teenager. You know what I'm saying? They didn't they, they didn't really expound on that. It was just like she's a teenager. But but I I like how they paid homage to a lot of black people and black music to. The the wide audience of people who probably was fans of Elvis but did not know like where the sound came from. Yeah. Or either they was naive to the point of where the sound came from. In this movie, you can't escape it. Like it shows how he was best friends with BB King. Him mm-hmm. and BB King played together at this one club. Um, another thing, this was kind of like what they kind of did, they kind of took, you know how they did the format in Judas and the Black Messiah, right? Where, you know what I'm saying? This was a story about, you know what I'm saying, Chairman Fred Hampton, but it also was a story about um, a man. um, What was his name? The Keith Stanfield play? I forgot that nigga name. uh, William something. So it was a story about both of them. And this Elvis movie was also about his manager. Okay. So, as quote unquote as great as most people say, yeah, people say he's the king of rock and roll, or whatever he was. Yeah. he still could not outrun the music business. Elvis was broke, yeah, big <laughs> like you know what I'm the movie business. And the guy is in this movie is about the guy that you know, what I'm saying it really fucked him over, yeah. And like the reason he started playing, let me tell you why he started playing in Vegas. The reason why he played in Vegas was because. The one thing he wanted to do was he wanted to travel overseas to uh to do a tour over there, right? But the, the his manager guy would never let him do it. And so he always found a way to talk Elvis into doing shit that he did not want to do. Yeah. And what he ended up doing was he got him a deal to play at this one place in um in Las Vegas. But the reason why was because my man ran up his tab so much in gambling because he had a bad gambling turn down? So they basically used Elvis you know, to pay my man debts off. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So Elvis had no idea. I can he hear the just... gunshots, man. So Elvis had no idea. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm my I thought I was mute with my mic that no, you but uh but yeah Elvis had no idea that that was the reason why he had a residency was because yeah. the dude had a debt with them and he but basically with having his residency he was able to gamble as much as he want because Elvis was bringing in so much money but um but I will have to say That's the, the it's, but it's it's, not it's, shocking. It, Yeah, it's not shocking but it but it's crazy to and I think the one man, I just people just don't understand how crazy the music business is. Like, you could be a generational talent, and mm-hmm. they could screw you over on your masters, your royalties, well, all that well now, of
1: shit. Like now, not so much, um, because you don't necessarily have to be signed to a label yeah. to be able to make money. Now, now you can actually be independent and really make money. Um, it, it's a, it's a, a million times more work to do it, but it's definitely possible um but then it really was like even when um remember when nwa came out with the straight out of compton movie and you know what i'm saying the way jerry heller was doing you now basically using dr Dre as his right hand man but getting no every, easy. Well, i'm sorry easy e, as his right hand man and basically getting everybody else to go along with you know what i'm saying whatever easy was gonna say or do and that pretty much ended up becoming the, the avenue to getting 360 deals and in 360 deals that's when they can get a piece of everything you do they pretty much they pretty much own your name and likeness
2: you yeah. know what I'm saying? for the like, people that yeah for the people that don't know 360 is basically if you create merch they get a piece if yeah, you get, get in the movie, that, piece, they get a, a piece movie. you do a yep. soundtrack they get yep. a piece and they don't you know even I'm have sure. to they don't even have
1: to broker the deal it's just the fact that if you involved in it they get a cut yeah, if you do a commercial,
2: they get yep. a piece. It's like every everything you do, they get a piece. Yeah, but um, it it was crazy to to, to see that, um, that it's like yo, this this shit can happen to anybody. And they tried to arrest this dude. Oh, that's another thing. So I and, and, and I promise we'll, we'll go to the feeds of presentation. But like, I remember seeing that Elvis went into the war. Mm-hmm. But I thought he did that shit voluntarily. Mm-hmm. What happened was so they didn't like how Elvis moved his hips and all that type shit. They said that he was, you know what I'm saying? Was, yeah, yeah. devil music, he's 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 ruining all old white kids who's watching him and all mm-hmm. this shit. Cause they say he's moving around like a black person, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So they was like, Yo, if you don't stop doing that, you know what I'm saying, we're gonna arrest you, right? So he talked to this one guy and they was like, he talked to BB King. And BB King was like, yo, you making them way too much money for them to arrest you. He's yeah. like, they're not going to arrest you. So he went out because he, he did like a couple of shows where he wasn't doing it. Yeah. So then he had a conversation with BB King. So he went back to his regular self. Well, they put him in a police car because they shut down the show, but they didn't arrest him. Yeah. But they did, my guy. They forced my man. Well, they said either go to jail or Or go to war. war. And that's when they sent him over to war. And I had no idea because I remember seeing pictures of him wearing, you know what I'm saying, army outfits. Okay. I thought he
1: did this shit voluntarily. Okay. So we on the same page, except for the fact that I thought the nigga had that shit on because that nigga used to do movies. So I thought that shit was from a movie. I ain't never think he really went to war.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't. Even when, only thing they showed of us, like, I doubt he really did anything dangerous. Yeah. Like the only thing they really showed when he was overseas, that's where he met his wife at. Oh, okay. He was the general's daughter. Okay. So she was over there because her dad was there. Yeah. So, but yeah. So he actually went over there. Like I said, I don't think he did anything dangerous. But just the fact that they took some of his career the same way they did, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I was about to say Malcolm X um Muhammad Ali you know what I'm saying they took his prime years of boxing, but they only took three years of Elvis' career because and then they thinking oh well he's gonna go over there and be clean click clean cut and come back and not do that bullshit mm. but you know he was just like no nah, I do what I want so it was it was I learned some shit but I do love the fact that that all the people that are diehard fans of his yeah like they couldn't escape seeing where he got the music because the last scene of the movie he's um uh, he's uh playing it um he's playing at the uh what you call it in vegas he's playing out in the vegas mm-hmm. and he's singing this song that this black guy was singing in the very beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and like they're going back and forth like they're showing the old black guy then they're showing yeah. him singing, then they show the old black guy then they show him singing and so it's just like it's like they're showing homage to like where he got this shit from. Like, we're not gonna forget about those people who really created this shit. So I yeah. thought that was the one thing that was dope about the movie.
1: That's a first.
2: That is a first. But I mean,
1: well, I take that back. That's not really the first. It ain't the first time they put white people in a movie and showed them that they're stealing songs from niggas because they did that in the Temptations movie. You know I mean, they're saying?
2: doing the us up. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They did it in Dream Girls. Yeah, the girls, yeah, they did yeah. a bunch of shit.
1: But I mean, it's yeah. crazy to see how like they can how they, <clears throat> excuse me, not they can but it's crazy to see how they would literally make them or have them sing a song and then like have a white group cover it and then
2: then it blow up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, uh, what's that movie called with uh, One Night in Miami and mm-hmm. My man, he was playing Sam Cooke. Yeah. And so Sam Cooke, he was like, yo, I wrote a song. I've, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been for Bill Withers, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. And the song reached like, like 10 on the black charts or some shit like that. Yeah. So he told the guy, like, look, I'm going to give this song to a white artist. But you still get a, a piece of the writing credit yeah. on the song. So he gives a song to the white artist,
0: who's number one. Number,
2: one, number one on the Billboard chart. But people don't remember, Sam Cooke had his own record deal back then. He mm-hmm. has his own record label. So, because the argument was, I don't know if you've ever seen One Night in Miami, but he was uh, had an argument with uh, I think it was Michael Max. No, it was Michael Ma- It was either Michael Max Ma- or Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that like, like yo, you selling your soul you know what I'm saying, for, you know, to make money. And so he told him, like, yo, yeah, I gave them my man's song, but I he still get paid off that. It's right. like, it'll be different. He was like, I get paid, and he get paid. So he was like, why should I miss out on an opportunity when I know that this is a great song, yeah. but if a white artist sing it, it's gonna blow up. It's gonna make, yeah, make a whole, yeah. Because, like, Sam was like, I could've just left my name on it
0: mm-hmm. and
2: gave it to the white artist and I'm getting paid. He was like, no, I told that artist, yo, I'm going to keep your name on it. So you're going to get royalties, royalties off of this record. Yes, so man. it sucks. It sucks that it worked that way. But Sam was so smart and yeah. he was so, even at the time he was young, Sam died when he was young. yeah. And you know, but he was smart enough to know like, yo, I'm going to have to keep your name on this record. So we both can get paid off of this. So it was like, even though it blew up for the white person, Sam made a smart choice. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a good business move, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So it, it sucks Pre-tell. that it worked that way. But if, it, if you know the system, you might as well utilize it to your advantage. So I thought that that was a smart thing that you did.
1: And the and crazy thing is, like, up until, like, I want to say maybe the late 90s, or the mid to late 90s, that shit was cool. It wasn't never no issues of taking somebody's song and covering it and everything else. And then once hip hop started getting to that point and getting big, then sampling became an issue. Yeah. Even covering yeah. song became an issue. Yeah, and then everybody was like, yo, I want my cut. Mm-hmm. But that's why, you know what I'm saying, this guy is the greatest. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Paint I mean Prince. 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 <laughs> I said Prince. You know what I'm saying? That man fought for the good fight. But so man, let's um Am I hitting the right thing? Well, I guess I did. There we go. Let's get into it, man. Um today we are talking about a Netflix documentary that is uh very impactful. Not with just, I mean, not just within uh, our community, but within the nation. This was basically um, uh, a huge black eye on America. Um, From the early 80s all the way up into, I take that back from the early 70s, uh, mid to early 70s all the way up into, shit, the, damn near the late 90s.
2: Yeah, mid-90s, yeah. You know what,
1: what I'm saying? Um, we're talking about the Netflix documentary, Crack, Cocaine, Corruption, and Conspiracy. And, um <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this documentary is super informative, but there's a lot of truth that they uh, tell in this as well. And I'm interested because we've seen this before and I, I, any, anybody that's watching this, we don't know if you've seen this, so just bear with us, but you, uh, we had to rewatch this and rewatching this. What was, you know what I'm saying? Like what was going through your mind? How was you feeling? What did you think, you know, usual? Uh,
2: well, obviously when you watch something multiple times, you catch different things and it's just, really watching it this time, knowing that we're going to do a pod on it. I mean, a lot of this stuff, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, over 60% of this stuff I, I've already knew anyway, you know. But what makes this one stand out is what I talked about in the coming soon is you get actual account, accounts from people that were former users. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People who you know, started on cocaine, but then when they touch crack, like it's like, yo, like it's like, yo, this shit changed the world. Um, Just hearing those stories from those people, and then also hearing stories from guys that was from a drug dealers. But also, the way that it was set up was, I felt like, one of the most phenomenal things that you could do in a documentary because I think that there are things that are facts and there are things that are reasons like, like so a lot of people like to say oh man what you're saying is an excuse and it's like no mm-hmm. like if it's if there's a reason then there's a reason it's not an excuse um which I'll get into I'll elaborate on that but for you watching this man like what what was the things that was going through your mind
1: um for me it was the you know what I'm saying? Rewatching it, it was the usual, you know what I'm saying? A little anger. Um, you know, and and you in a way, you kind of start to get that victim mentality a little bit. Like, damn, I can't believe like, you know, they really you know, dislike us this much to do some shit like this. Like this some diabolical shit that was done. But at the same time, you know you got to, man, you just, you really got to just sit back and just be amazed at how resilient we are as a people. And to see just the evolution of what happened, you know, the, the way things ended up being what they were, it was just like, like, goddamn, bro. It's like, you, you know, you hear it all the time, like, you know, like, we, we joke about it a lot, you know, just a black man in America trying to make it, but you really don't understand unless you are one, and unless you've been around these situations, or unless you were a part of these situations as well, but, you know, you really don't understand, like, this shit is real life for a lot of us, and the fact that, you know, they had the, the people who were, you know, former users, and you see now that, you know, some of them are still kind of affected by it, but it was some of them who weren't, and they got their, like, you know what I'm saying, back together and, you know, got back on track. And then you also see the former dealers who, you know what I'm saying, some, you know, were affected long-term and then some who weren't. Some just, you know, ended up going off and continuing life as well. But you really just see the effects that it had on the community. Um, One of them was just how, they were showing, you know what I'm saying, like the neighborhoods before it really got to it, and it looked like a a, a live neighborhood, you know what I'm saying, like people was walking up and down the street, businesses was going, you know what I'm saying, people was chilling on the corner, you know what I'm saying, talking and walking across the street, cars going up and down, and then, like, once it hit and it got to that peak, like dude said, it was like a fucking George Romero movie, like, it was abandoned buildings and you know, boarded up businesses and you know what I'm saying, like dudes stand on the corner, but it ain't no walking on that corner, it ain't no, it ain't a lot of cars driving through there. So it's just like you really get to see, you know what I'm saying, the negative effects it had, and in a weird way, because I don't never want to glorify this shit, and I never do, but in a weird way, it was a lot of positive that came out of this as well. Like this this really created a lot of black millionaires, you know what I'm saying? Like, even though they didn't they weren't able to um, continue how, like, the mafia and shit did, but it was a lot of black people getting money in this time. And you can kind of see how, like, they seen it backfiring a little bit ahead of time, and they instantly just went in and and cut that shit short as quick as they could. But, yeah, I I definitely um, had a lot of feelings of anger in this, for
0: sure.
2: Yeah, see, you just touched on... The thing that I, you know, I battle with within myself, like doing the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the episodes, the little series that I have on my podcast. It's like, I'm not glorifying it, but it's kind of like the way people do like, like crime podcasts or like the yeah. top podcasts in the world. It's just like, yeah. are they really glorifying the people or it's just people love crime? You know what right. I mean? So it's just like, that's how I kind of justify, like, I'm not you know, putting these people up on the pedestal and say that these people are, you know, great people or whatever the case may be. But a lot of these stories are very interesting. And like you said, it created mm-hmm. a lot of black millionaires. Mm-hmm. And, um, but obviously like you kind of have to start like, you know, kind of really like this documentary did. Like it's, it's very known that cocaine was like the drug of the seventies. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it was- and yeah, it was a rich man drug, but it also was seen kind of like how we is being able to be seen now. Like right. it's not really a problem with it. You know, people it was like use cigarettes. it. To go out. Yeah, like people go out like they would just sniff a line like anywhere. Like mm-hmm. they didn't go hide or nothing. It was just like like that was the thing. And obviously what I want to touch on is like. So you you have this rich man drug that black people really can't afford, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So,
2: within telling the story, like you have to mention this. First of all, let me say this: Donald Trump's. Let me see his slogan for a lot of people that don't know was completely stolen. Mm-hmm. He stole "Make America Great Again" from Ronald Reagan. For yeah. people who don't know this. So he don't even have some of his own original content. But that's besides the point. But people try to look at Reagan and be like, oh, Reagan was such a great president. He was this, he was that. And like I say, he created a lot of money kind of the same way Trump did for rich people. Like, the rich (laughs) people really got richer. But this is what I want people to understand. So let me tell y'all one of the, well, a few things that Ronald Reagan had did to really separate the gap between rich people and people that were poor, but they was making it. And this could show you how we got to this point. So one of the things he did was a half a million Americans can't get welfare anymore. Right. One million people can't get food stamps anymore. Mm -hmm. And 2.6 million people completely lost the lunch program in school. So when you have that and then also you have eight and a half million Americans unemployed. Mm -hmm. No jobs. And this is 1982. So when you have People who had welfare, can't get it no more. Had food stamps, can't get it no more. Want a job, but there ain't no jobs. Mm-hmm. So now you got a whole bunch of people that are losing everything that they got. And the people that was already on a low scale got even fucking lower. Yep. So you have two things that are going to happen. Because like you said earlier. Black people are really resilient. Mm -hmm. Like they find ways to to make it through. And one of the things is there are some people who they're so down and out, they was like, yo, I just wanna out. Like every day, like I feel like shit, and I have to sit here and I have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Some people took the route of which we'll get into rock, but like people get in the crack just to get that escape of like I have to leave like my lights and I got cut off you know what I'm saying like I I don't want to just sit here in the fucking dark like I need something to take my mind off this shit so that's how you can see how some people start doing crack but then also you see the effect of the kids that are sitting there watching their parents Mm -hmm. yo this is bullshit like you know like I don't want to live like this Right. And then all of a sudden, this crack stuff come about, and you making, you know, what I'm saying a hundred dollars a day. Next thing you know, you making, you know, what I'm saying five thousand a week, and it's like, well, shit. I mean, I can feed my family now. Like there was one, there was one drug dealer, his name was Corey, mm-hmm. and Corey was like, "Yo," he was like, "When you sitting there, lights off, you don't have." You know what I'm saying? He's like, yo, there's a famous picture, not famous, but he said famous, but he was like, there's a picture of me where I'm in my class picture. He was like, I'm wearing my sister's jeans. Mm -hmm. All right. He said, I'm wearing my sister's jeans. And he was like, everybody got their hands like over their lap. He's like, but I got my hands covering up my shoes because my shoes got holes in them. Yeah. So if you sit here, your lights off, you wear your sister's clothes and you got holes in your shoes and nothing's getting better
1: yeah you go i mean and and you make a you make a great point because no matter where you go in any the economy anytime that people have nothing or you know what I'm saying it's a, a poor place or you know people are are having you know what I'm saying less than crime goes up y'all I mean that's just a that's a that's a, you know what I mean an irrelevant i mean not irrelevant but um the word is escaping me. But that inescapable thing, that's what I'm really trying to say. It's something that's inescapable, basically. Um, it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? That's, you, you have no choice but to provide for your family. And especially if, you know, you've been depending on, the, you know, if you've been put in a situation to depend on the government and um, the next thing you know, you can't depend on the government no more. And now you got to worry about where you're going to live, how you going to clothe your kids, how you're going to feed your kids, how you going to push a, a roof over their head. And then on top of that, how you going to do all that for yourself too. And so even though, you know, people was really doing everything just to stretch a, a dollar and make ends meet, now you have a situation where that might not even be possible. And then here comes this, opportunity let's just say at the time that's what it really was this opportunity that hits out of the clear blue and now you can literally not only just feed your family not only pay rent not only get a car you can literally do all that and still have money to spend you know what i'm saying bills paid kids fed everybody got new clothes everybody got new shoes hair done the water ain't never cut off, lights always on, fr- refrigerator full. You know what I'm saying? You now you can go pay your mom the baby shit. You go out and kick it like now you are living uh, the actual life you're supposed to be living, like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? That is in America does, and and now you don't have to pay taxes. So now all the money is yours. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to worry about none of this shit. And then you know you people look at this and like, oh, this is crazy. How could they do this? And you don't understand, like if you've never been in a situation where you literally had to to go out of your way to do something just to make sure you had enough money to feed not just your mouth but your kids' mouths. Like that's a that's a very very dire situation, and a lot of people in America, especially middle America and upper class, and uh upper middle class, they've never had to go through that situation. So them seeing this is like, you know, on top of how they explain later on, like how the news is feeding them, how the government is feeding them all this information and all this, you know, like propaganda. They're looking at all this shit like, oh, these these people really are heathens. These people really are criminals, but it's not the fact that they're criminals. They're just desperate humans. They're just trying to survive. And this, and this is why I really like this documentary because it really does everything to show you not only were people pretty much put in this situation, but they were actually used as pawns in a whole nother scheme that was going on. And you know what I'm saying? Like, America did everything in its power to cover up what they were doing on top of making these people look like real criminals. And you know what I'm saying? Like, really. Attacking them for what they put them through, you know what I'm saying? If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Two things. Number one, I I don't know if this is something that people should be proud of. When I say this, is what I'm going to say is like black people are so creative, right? Because you got this one drug that black people can't afford, and so someone comes up with the whole cooking pattern of adding baking soda and you get this rock substance and you can chop up a whole brick and you can sell it for cheaper with a whole lot more quantity of it. So they were able to create this thing, mix it together, cook it, and then you got crack. So it's not the best invention. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is the fact that for instance, when you don't have a lot of money and you're hungry, right? There's this thing that I used to do and I call it create a meal. You know what I'm saying? Where you would just put some shit together and then you will just make that shit a meal. Like, that's something that black people do. they just like, for instance, you know, when you think about chitlins, like when you're getting the scraps of <laughs> everything, you know, black people be creative and yeah. they create something. Yeah. So they was able to, you know, create a meal out of chitlins. So it's just like what makes you think that they couldn't create something out of some shit that they can't afford and create crack. So that's one thing. But the second thing is, and they did not do this in this documentary. And people love, love to be like, oh, well, you know, black people's on welfare, they on this, they always make excuses and all this type shit. And this is where slavery comes in. Mm -hmm. So people always want to be like, oh, man, well, slavery was this long ago and all this type of shit or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go long on it, but just like for number one, one thing that was against the law in slavery was you couldn't read. Yep. right. So you have people that are being freed basically, you know what I'm saying? Eight eight eighteen eighteen sixty five. That's uh that was Juneteenth. So, so eighteen six. That was the
1: last official year,
2: yeah. Yeah. So now you got these people out here. There's only a certain amount of people that can read. So then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you give us the black schools, you know, us the HBCUs and all that type shit, but then none of that shit is really funded. But then you also gotta understand there are a lot of people who are just out here who just trying to make it. So you have a lot of people who were going to school, but they dropped out when they were 12, 13 years old, whatever the case may be. So they Mm -hmm. have no education. So then they're raising kids, and then they can't teach their kids nothing because they don't know nothing. So Mm -hmm. then when you start to think about it like, shit, yo, like that's like my great-grandma or great-great, you know what I'm saying, parents or whatever, whatnot. So then that cycle continues. So when you have when you have these people who are uneducated and the only way that they can make it is by working. So a lot of these people have to start working early. And then you have segregated schools. And so then the people that are going to the black schools, they don't have the best books. And then the shit that they're getting is outdated. And then when they, you know what I'm saying, desegregate the schools, they're like, well, we don't want them in their school because they're behind. So when you have this cycle of what's going on because then when you get to thinking like I told you before my mom remembered going to a segregated school Mm -hmm. and then ended up going to a desegregated school so that Mm -hmm. shit ain't that fucking long ago so the point that I'm making is people like oh well they was on welfare they was on food stamps these people wasn't educated people a lot of these people only could do certain amount of jobs and then like Uncle Washington would always say the government, the way they set up food stamps and and um, welfare and all that type of shit, where well, yeah. the man couldn't yeah. be yeah. in the house.
1: Yeah, and so they would like go to your house to see if men lived there. Yeah, they, they would
2: be like, there. yo, if they and found a man shoe, like, yeah, yeah they cut you off. Yeah. So it's like, so now you got these single women out here. You know what I'm saying raising three, four, five, six kids, mm-hmm. and they can't have a man living with them. Mm-hmm. So. It's not excuses when there's facts to show you that this is the reasons why a lot of these families was torn apart, the way that they were, and this shit goes all the way back to slavery. And that, you know, I'm saying, ties in the whole education thing because a lot of people dropped out of school because they had to make money.
1: Yeah, and you, You you bring up a, you bring up a very great point, right? So there's a literal timeline to all of this, right? So we can start from slavery. And you can go how even before slavery, right, when people start literally immigrating over here so and during immigration um e- and even before slavery, there was a period where people in well the people in Europe who were coming over here were basically the desolate people of the, those European nations, yeah, then people coming over here. And this is fact, y'all can Google this, y'all can do y'all research and everything else. I've already done mine. So those people were coming over here and there were already people over here, of course. And the women of those nations were choosing the, the native people of the land who were black and at the time, I guess you'd call them Indian or whatever you want to call them. But there were people of African descent and there was people of other descents as well. But the people who were already here were choosing those men and after a while once they established the 13 colonies and once they start you know saying gaining land and doing everything that they were doing or colonizing as we now call it um they literally made it a law where you people like in a you could not mix races you had to start um dating white men and that's where the white race comes from they started to literally um build a a race of people because at first when you came over here you was either like they would they would go by like puritans anglo-saxons and everything else and then like as more and more people came over it was british irish german you know what i'm saying uh scottish all that shit italian and then as time went on and, you know what I'm saying, like they started to realize that they were being outnumbered, they would start calling themselves white. And at first, if you were Irish, you weren't accepted. And then after a while, you weren't Irish anymore, you were white. If you was Italian, you weren't accepted. Then you weren't Italian anymore, you was white. And then the Scottish, and you know what I'm saying, same thing. And so, then slavery comes we all know what slavery does after slavery you have the period of reconstruction the small period of reconstruction that ends in 1877 and then right after the period of 18, uh, right after the period of reconstruction you didn't get Jim Crow you know what I'm saying and not only do you get Jim Crow i put slash segregation because in the south it was Jim Crow around the nation it was segregation so like we tend to think that in the south is the only place that was you know, what I'm saying like black people had it bad. No, it was same thing. Like we, we still can he- hear stories about how it was swimming pools in New York. Black people couldn't go to or how black people had to still go to the back in the north or in California when black people were not even allowed on the beach or how they were still how they stole the land. Um, I think that they call it Manhattan Beach now in California, but that was the land of former black people who owned it and they ended up tricking them out of the uh, land by taxes or some shit like that and ended up leveling everything and calling it Manhattan Beach now. Um, I think that the people, uh, um, the descendants of them actually just got like paid from it or end up getting the land back or something like that. I got to look back on that part. But like, so then you got Jim Crow and segregation. And then after segregation is over with, you getting like the voting rights and the civil rights and everything else. Then you started to get redlining. Then you starting to get um, gentrification. Then you started to get um, the, the districts. Now everything is district. Everything is getting smaller and smaller. You know So they building freeways and all the um, black neighborhoods in California and, and breaking shit up. And then you know in New York, now everybody is put into all these tall ass projects. You know what I'm saying? So like now you get that and then you get welfare, which... Also, like you said, it takes the black man out the home and then in comes crack and the criminals the criminalization of it. And now not only are you getting the black men out the homes, but now you're getting them put up in in jails. And now that it's not as many black men on the streets that you can put in jail. Now you're starting to be, you're starting to criminalize the women like they, they really talk about that in this. And this was uh, rewatching this. That was another thing that stood out to me. And I, I don't know how I missed this. In the, in the, when I first watched it, but um, they started criminalizing women. So, like for instance, if you were a woman and you just so happened, you know, I'm, well, if you were a woman and you were an addict, they were basically taking you to jail after you've had birth to a child by using, you know, what I'm saying the distribution of drugs to a minor, even yeah. though they didn't even have the 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 evidence or the
2: science to back that up, dude. So, they are... Yeah, Jennifer Johnson. Jennifer the, the Johnson. Nurse. No, no, Jennifer Johnson was the, was the addict lady. Was the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she she took it to her social worker and mm-hmm. was honest with her. Told her no, it was a nurse, told the nurse, "Yo, I have a drug problem. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to shake it, blah blah blah." The nurse calls the police and then the police arrest her and she was charged with uh with uh child abuse and delivering drugs to a minor.
1: Yeah. And then the the same nurse was actually finding, like was actually asking addicts about when the last time they used and everything else. And then giving that information to the police, which is totally against, you know what I'm saying? Not just the law, but protocol, you know what I'm saying? That's against HIPAA violations. So, and at the time, those HIPAA violations still, you know what I'm saying? Remain. So not only do you have that, right? Like I said, you got redlining, you got district you got all these other things. And then out of the blue, you start to get recessions. You started to get, you know what I'm saying, minimum mandatory sentencing. You're starting to get three strike laws. You know what I'm saying? You got Hillary Clinton calling them super predators. And then you just got this whole history of pretty much black people's, black people's backs being against the wall. And at every turn, you also have all this propaganda saying that we're the criminals, you know, that that the the crime rate is always higher with us. You get the, the myth of black on black crime. You get all of this other stuff and everything in the news is always against us, even though in the documentary they stated that white people were on crack cocaine way more at a, at a superior uh, rate compared to black people. But it was easier to make black people the the. Um, the enemy in this situation, because of the history of
2: America. Yeah, I had it. Um, yeah, they said that. No, wh- white people was they was they was on it heavy, yeah, like real heavy. I mean, they even, um, they even
1: showed you like they they the, uh, the the video when they had like all the white dudes driving down up through
2: oh, Harlem. Two two thirds of white people was doing crack. Yep. And they made it seem like it was just a, a white drug. Because remember,
1: but- remember, the, and this was the this was the crazy thing, too, because the lady, the one lady had pretty much um, did the comparison to the op- opioid epidemic. And she was saying how now you have all these white people on opioids and it's an epidemic, it's an epidemic. And now they're getting help when black people was going through it. It was an epidemic. But not only was it an epidemic they were pushing fear and then you had all these black people going to jail you had all these black people getting killed and
2: she was like where's the justice in that exactly and it was it was i mean it was a time man and i told you like uncle washington lived through this like he saw mm-hmm. this shit. that's why he ain't big on like a lot of like this glorification of drug dealers and stuff like right. that but But then like then this stuff started creeping in the music where people are telling you these stories of shit that they see. And the most famous song from that time, Grandmaster Flash, you know what I'm saying? The message. And and while they were doing every lyrics that he was saying, they were showing you the images of it. Yeah. And it's like this is what Grandmaster Flash is seeing. Like, yo, this is what I see when I come outside. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Broken glass everywhere, you know. And people pitching in the hallways were well, in the elevators they just don't care. It's just like, mm-hmm. these motherfuckers are high 90% of the time. And it's just like, nobody cares about anything anymore. Yeah. And like, putting that shit on records, like, that's when that shit started to expand throughout the country. Like, oh, shit, like, there's some, you know, some bad shit going on. Because at this time, you got, from 1982 to 1984, 50% more drugs it's entering the U um, the United States. They said that it was sixty three tons, and you gotta understand this: a brick don't weigh that much. No, nah, for this shit to get the sixty three tons. Mm-hmm.
1: That's but then you gotta crazy. remember, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to shout out to um, John Singleton. You know what I'm saying putting the snowfall series out there, and you know what I'm saying helping to shed light on this. Um, this is all basically created to to, to basically supply and to fund
2: uh, a bullshit war yes because uh, excuse me i was going i was going to get there but like for a lot of people that don't know like what they ended up doing was to to try to backdoor the shit They would sell guns and weapons and missiles, everything to fucking Iran. And so they would drop the guns off there. Mm -hmm. They would take the money from the guns, go to Nicaragua. You know what I'm saying? And then they would come back and take the drugs from there. And then bring him into the USA straight into California. And then from California, distributed that shit throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. And they had ended up, uh, the, C, the CIA guy, he actually went to California during this little meeting thing and basically told, like, yeah, like, you know, that's that's what we did. Yeah. And uh, also, John Kerry, uh, for a lot of people who don't remember John Kerry, the person that really is supposed to win, yeah. and, and they cheated him out. Uh, with Bush, but that's a whole nother story. But mm-hmm. he held uh he held a, a briefing, and he had, I I forget who the who his source was, but the guy was sitting there, he was like, Yeah, like we sold guns to there, we'll grab a bag, and that bag will have money and it will have coke in it. And he was like, and we brought it back. And he was mm-hmm. like, like, that's what we did. Like, this shit was on C SPAN. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it was on C SPAN, and it's like All they do is criminalize the black people. They show the black people get arrested. You got Nancy Reagan out here on this bullshit talking about some just say no to drugs Mm -hmm. and all this bullshit. When it's just like, yo, it's a whole lot more complicated than that. But then at the same time, you're telling us don't say no to drugs. But, you know, in the back of your head, we are the people that are responsible for bringing this shit in. But you're telling us just say no. And the craziest thing, right? The the, the thing that's even, even crazier than that is
1: the fact of the whole time that people are being criminalized for doing drugs on the street. You also have the emergence of big pharma throughout all of this shit. Like even now, like they are some of the major players in politics. And, and as far as getting um, policy pushed through everything. So you have these big pharmaceutical companies who basically end up becoming these fortune capital companies and you see how now it's, it's really as prevalent as ever because of the whole pandemic situation about how, you know, you got the the COVID disease that happens and then instantly in that short time span, you get all of these vaccines. And in the, in the way it was starting to look like Nazi America to where it was like, yo, if you don't got a vaccine, you a fucking, you know what I'm saying? You're a fucking leper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it was getting, it was getting crazy. You know what I'm saying? We had riots and all kinds of shit it was going on in this, in this, Short, short span, and you really seen that every the, the, the major players behind this was Big Pharma, you know what I'm saying, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, you know what I'm saying, all of those companies were pretty much making all of these moves, and we were none the wiser. And they got rich out of nowhere. I mean, not rich out of nowhere, but they got You're richer, not,
0: yeah.
1: you know what I'm saying? Just yeah just because and then you seen you know i'm saying them getting tax cuts and everything else and it's cool for them to push their drugs because it benefits everybody else in that arena but when it comes down here to the streets we still battling to get weed legalized and even then you see how weed is is being you know i'm saying legalized but used in the in a weird way too because you know it's a they say now it's it's a bunch of Places that's legalizing weed, and you still got people locked up for selling weed. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, but yeah. it's cool for America to push drugs, though. Not only yeah. that, did you know that crack cocaine was invented in at UCLA? I
2: don't. Know. I don't know if I believe that because I I, 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 I. I think black people came up with it, man. They're, listen, bro. Listen.
1: There's no way that you telling me that a motherfucker come a motherfucker just come to you, right? Hey man, look, here a pound of cocaine, do what you want with it. You know who to sell it to. Think about this though. You know who to sell it to. Cause you already know
2: who can afford it. See, when when you had when you had stepped out for a minute, I had said the reason that I think because I was like. Black people can you can give them a bunch of scraps and they'll find a way. to, to you know what I'm saying?
1: Freeway Ricky Ross. Who did he learn how to make crack
0: from?
2: And that's what that's what I'm saying. Like even Freeway, like the way the way the way that he put it was like you know what I'm saying. He kind of invented it. I don't know if he's trying to, you know what I mean. Have a come up to be like, you know, I was the person that invented it, so I want mm-hmm. everybody to know it was free, you know, freeway Ricky Ross to invent it. Maybe he could, maybe it could be cap. It's but,
1: definitely cap. If I, this is this is just my my belief. There's no yeah. way, there's no way if I know I can make the this because because black people ain't stupid, but they're not extra either, right?
2: Yeah, but and, it's kind of
1: like. If you got a surefire plan, right? Think about this, though. If, <laughs> if you knew how to grow weed, right? And you knew that people want to smoke weed, you just grow it, right? You would think so. Okay. You would grow it and sell it. Yeah. And you knew that you growing it and selling it is going to bring you money in. True, You would do it that way, right? Yeah. Now, why would you mess that up for for anything? Because like you just taking a chance to first and foremost, you don't have a major supply of cocaine. So you got to think about that. Second, how the fuck are you taking cocaine and then just be like, man, you can just throw some baking powder. on, I mean, baking soda on that motherfucker to yeah. rock up.
2: No, no, no. I think the shit was a mistake. I think it was. Yo, I don't have a lot of this shit you know what this baker soda shit looks similar to it so it's just like we don't have a lot but we want to try to make a way to you know do a come up maybe we'll they mix this you, shit together yeah yeah but then you like shit it's called baker soda. maybe we should try to cook this man shit.
1: nah man <laughs> i'm Hell just nah,
2: saying
0: Hell i'm nah,
2: just bro. saying I'm, I'm telling you, so you got to
1: think about. You got to think about even the way they broke crack cocaine down in the documentary. They were saying yeah. that you can sniff the shit, you can't smoke it though. The only way you can smoke it is by cooking it at a, a certain way and getting the, the other chemicals out of it in order for it to be potent enough to smoke. So some shit like that to me, that's some shit that you come up with in a lab. You don't come up with no shit like that. Like ain't nobody sniffing the shit getting high be like, man, we should smoke this shit. No. You
2: sniffing it, you already high. I feel you, but we can go on and on about this, man. But I, I, I just feel like a motherfucker found found a way they they, they cook that shit up because like yo baking yeah. soda, boom, 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 and then boom, this happened. All right, right. So yeah. there okay. are okay, so one thing that I wanted to mention, and and I, I this goes along with the conversation that we was having earlier. You know what I'm saying? There was a commercial, you know what I'm saying, about a black kid named Calvin, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. the worked at McDonald's. And my man Calvin is like, yeah, Calvin got a job, you know? And they're like, yo, he was like, at the time, minimum wage was three twenty five. He yeah. was like, yo, and then they're taking taxes out your check. He was like, mm-hmm. you ain't bringing shit home. You know what I'm yeah, saying? At the did, end of- like, nigga, gas was barely $0.25 cent a gallon, though. It, it, it was, it was, but it's like, then once you get the thing, it's like, dude, when I was in high school, I worked two days a week. Mm-hmm. I was making six twenty five. I was bringing home eighty dollars a week. Right, you know what I'm saying in high so. School. It just yeah, in high school, and it's like, I mean, there really ain't no money. But I wanted to make. No, okay, no,
1: wait, 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 because you making a great point, and I want to touch on this too because this is a good conversation. You thinking of you thinking of it ain't no money now in in your mind frame now. No, Back then, eighty dollars, bro, you could do a I'ma lot tell, with
2: eighty dollars. I'm gonna tell you why it wasn't a lot okay. for me anyway. I got paid every week, right? Right. But I had to pay my mom. My mom made me pay my own car insurance. That was $60 right there. So that's one check gone. I had to pay my own cell phone bill. Mm -hmm. That was like $35, $40 or whatever the case may be. So really, I really only had like two checks. And then even with that check, you know what I'm saying? I had, you know, even though gas wasn't that much, but you know, I had to put gas. $15 was something to bro. Yeah, but this is the thing, though. I didn't live down the street from my school. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I, had, to drive, I had to drive 15 minutes to school every day, 15, okay. 20 minutes, because I lived with my mom and Emmett, and I commuted to Greer. Yeah. So I used more gas than most people would. But then, okay, I, had a so shit, then, then I had a piece of shit, Sunbird, that I had to all leak, and I had to buy three quarts of oil every week. Oh yeah, that's
1: yeah. But I'm okay. So look, so let's let's just break this. Let's just break this down in the in a just in an ordinary situation because that's a that's that's out of the ordinary. You know, so let's put this in an ordinary situation, right? You getting eighty dollars a week? Let's just say eighty dollars a week. That's what three hundred. That's three hundred and twenty dollars a month, right? So you said, Joe, your car insurance was what? It was like sixty. So take your car insurance out. You down to two hundred and sixty. Take your phone bill out. Let's say it was forty dollars, right? You down to two hundred and twenty. You ain't got shit else to pay, bro. Maybe maybe some maybe some gas every other week. So let's 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 round that out at thirty. You still got two hundred and ten dollars to spare every month, right? Just on the humbug. you got, you got Because you only got three things to really pay when you were in high school. And a lot of motherfuckers ain't even got to pay their cell phone bills now. But at the time, you had to pay that shit on your own because that shit was on some different shit. Yeah, it so was it wasn't shit. like how it yeah. is now, yeah. So, and then for real, for real, you wanted it to be that way because you, you only talked to motherfuckers at night because of the minutes. It was free. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 9 o'clock. So, now that we at that, right, you got $210 a month. Bro, you can go eat anywhere with 10 dollars and you could have a feast chips were still 25 <laughs> cent a bag you know what i'm saying you could you could get a a juice for probably 25 50 cent at the corner store like nigga if you had 210 on you in the to early to mid 90s you was the man bro
0: well,
1: i used to go was, to that
2: the was, that was mid 2000s but no, just I'm just talking about road, it just road, in the, yeah. I'm
1: talking about the 90s. Yeah. So yeah. imagine, imagine it just being a little bit more expensive. If you had two hundred dollars on you in the 2000s, you would still. I was going to the mall with twenty bucks and still coming yeah. home but with
2: thirteen But you're not considering. Look, I, I said I was making six twenty-five. He said yeah. minimum wage was three twenty-five.
1: Like, oh, that, but that's what I'm saying. But you got to remember though, shit costs less than two. That's what I'm saying. So even with minimum wage, he probably still had a hundred, maybe a hundred twenty, maybe a hundred ten.
2: But, but but they money was going towards helping their parents, though. That's true. Too. That is true. But see, yeah, I didn't have to. Yeah, yeah that is true. So, that is true. But like so one so there's three things that happened where crack really kind of hit mainstream. The
0: mm-hmm. first
2: thing that happened was Richard Pryor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The whole thing about Richard Pott burning up from freebasing, that's when freebasing became a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So then the other thing was you know what I'm saying? One of the greatest basketball players a lot of motherfuckers don't know about. You know what I'm saying Len Bias, drafted by the Celtics, first pick of the draft. You know what I'm saying? He was the guy that was supposed to come and take over. You know what I'm saying? Well, he was going to play with Larry Bird for a couple of years, but he was like going to be like that next guy. And so... He dies, and they said that crack was, you know, I'm saying, involved in that. And say it was his first time ever doing it, whatever the case may be. But then there also was a guy, I think it was Don Rogers, played for the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. He ended up dying. Four things, crap Four things, actually.
1: You, was, you forgetting um, about the cop that got killed?
2: Oh, oh, I was getting up. That didn't okay. have nothing to do with crack. Well, it 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 did and it didn't. It did and it didn't because this is the thing. And see, I did a podcast on this whole story that involved Michael... uh, No, not Michael. uh, That was Edward Burns. Mm -hmm. So, Fat Cat Nichols, uh, Lorenzo Fat Cat Nichols, uh, he was associated with this guy named Pappy Mason. Okay. And when Fat Cat was locked up at the time and But his friend Pappy Mason was still out. Edward Burns was a a cop. If I'm not mistaken, it might have been his first date.
1: Yeah, he was a rookie cop. Yeah,
2: he was like, he was literally just put on a job. He was sitting at his post. Somebody came and shot the dude in the head Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and, and killed him. And it was going back that they said that Fat Cat Nichols sent Pappy Mason to go do this. And Fat Cat was like, yo, why would I do that and set the whole block on fire? He's like, I know what that would do for a cop mm-hmm. to get killed. So they ended up pinning this shit on Pappy Mason and it ended up pinning on Fat Cat Nichols because Fat Cat Nichols was, he was, the charge that he had, he, he could have got out soon. Yeah. But they ended up putting this on him too. Right. And what happened with the Edward Burns thing is that's when... Yeah, I'm saying the task force TNT was created. Yep. And this is, and then also for people that don't know, back then cops used to ride one car to a one to a squad car, but because Mm -hmm. it burns, now it's two cops to a car. And
1: And then you and real quick, even in before that, cops didn't even give a damn about you selling crack. They was
2: robbing you and taking your money and your crack so they could go sell it. And that's where people need to watch. Which me and Uncle Washington did this. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't do it as a movie, but you know we did a lot of movie topics. Right. There is a documentary, another Netflix documentary called mm-hmm. The Seven Five, and The Seven Five is about the seventy fifth, the seventy fifth precinct in New York, mm-hmm. and they was like there were three hundred and fifty one cops indicted, and the main cop that blew this whole thing open was Michael. Uh, I think it pronounced it down. He was the one who first. Like he got caught, and he snitched on everybody. Yeah. He sold all these motherfuckers out. So he's asking these other cops, like, "Yo, like if you see something, why don't you say something?" He was like, "No." My but the answer was, was he's, but the was he scared. He was like, "No, I'm not scared." He's like, "Why not?" He's like, "Cause I knew nobody would say anything." He was like, "Why mm-hmm. nobody would say nothing?" Because the blue, the blue wall of solids. Mm-hmm. Cops don't tell on cops, right? Up until this guy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. This guy sold everybody out and 351 cops was indicted. So, what well, I think the message that people need to really get from this is everybody wants to look at the black people as the bad people. right? And a lot of these people was put in a situation where they was desperate and they didn't have, like, this was really, like, one of the only ways out. And, like, that one drug dealer said, I think his name was Sampson, he was like, yo, if I'm not gonna do it, somebody else gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? He used that example with selling. He also used this example where he was like, Yeah, there was a few girls that, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You know, he's like, he said, dude, we used to have an abandoned van. Uh, band. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Girls suck me off. I give a crack. He was like, there was also people that were selling crack to their own mamas. And they was like, yeah. yo, she gonna get it from somewhere. Why well not? Why, yeah, might as well get it from me. So mm-hmm. when you have that mentality, you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, black people was doing it to either, like, they was either doing it to escape the, 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 the poor life that they had, right. and the other people were selling it to escape the poor life that they had. But these cops were just fucking greedy. That's Pretty all much. it was. Pretty like, much. these they, they making all of this money. I'm sitting here working around the clock. Mm-hmm. I might as well profit off of this shit, too.
0: And mm-hmm. it's like,
2: that's when that greed sets in. So it's just like, y'all don't have no fucking excuses. Y'all doing this shit because you greedy as fuck. But the, got- the
1: murder of, um, the murder of, what's his name, Edward, Edward Burns? Burns. Yeah. yeah, the murder of Edward Burns is what really set everything off, though. But before yeah. that, like I said, cops didn't, wasn't even really Bugging about that, and as soon as Edward Burns got murdered, then you have a whole situation where now cops are cracking down. They doing um, no-knock warrants. They they doing raids. Like they really start
2: going that, super hard on dealers and that, on addicts. They're doing more than that. That's when 1986, the Anti-Drug Act came in. Yep. well, one gram can get you five to forty years of crack but three times more
1: than what you could get but, with cocaine. Well
2: five times. Five times five hundred. Five hundred grams of cocaine. That's mm-hmm. when you could get five to forty. And then when you look at that, who were the people that mostly had crack? Black people. Mm-hmm. Who were the most people that had cocaine? White, White people. people. So then nineteen eighty eight they end up upping that shit to mm-hmm. where that's when they started arresting a lot of of the people that was users. Yep. You know what I'm saying two years later they started arresting a lot of the users, and then you got the whole Bill Clinton thing with the Crime Bill of nineteen. Um, not, just, 19 not just not just Bill
1: Clinton, the Bill Clinton and Joe Biden, and the yeah, um, the National Black Caucus Bill.
2: Don't forget that part. Oh yeah. So what that did was it added twenty percent more cops. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying then you get the Crime Bill. And what ended up happening with that shit, if y'all want the numbers for your ass, 1985, there was 16,600 black people locked up. By 1995, 134,000 black people locked up. That is 707% increase of and black violence. what happens bodies when you go to jail? What are you? You a statistic. You a slave to the state.
1: You are a slave to the state and what better way to bring back slavery when you had to abolish it a long time ago than to put these people in a dire situation to where you know they ain't got no other way out and then criminalize it and say, hey, why would you guys do this? What's wrong with you? And then lock them up, make them slaves to the state, making them work for nothing, free labor. Just the other day I was driving down the street and seeing some dudes out on, on work release
2: out there with the sheriff, cutting down trees. Yep, and then the one last number to blow your mind the the war the, the quote unquote war on drug
0: mm-hmm. costed
2: America over one trillion dollars, where it was not even a fucking war on drugs. It was a war on America, even your own citizens. Even yeah, real yeah. What the, the word shouldn't be war. You know what I'm saying? People don't
1: even realize like people don't even realize like this is still part of the Cold War. Yeah. The whole fake war everybody calls the non-existing war. This is all a part of this. This shit had nothing to do with Contra. This shit had nothing to do with Iran. It was the fact that the Russians were helping back Cuba, and Cuba was getting the weapons from them, and Cuba was trying to take over some places that they shouldn't have been trying to take over. And what did America do? They intervened when they should have set their ass home like they always do.
2: Yep. Yeah, man, this this, this documentary, man, wow, I, I, I like how they put a lot of the stuff in there, man. But yeah. but it, it's just but you know to to see how this shit went down, like you said, like to have no cut, like for for you to to sell war, was well, sell you right sell to a country that we, ended up, doing. That we ended up that we ended up that we ended up fighting them. And they mm-hmm. fighting us with the gun that we already right now sold them. Right. You know what I'm saying? After 9-11 and all of that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then that's another thing. One of the reasons why a lot of our Americans you know what I'm saying? Was killed. Was because just a couple of years earlier, we selling them guns, teaching them how to use these shits. Still, and then they, yeah, and then they end up using the training that we gave them on us when we fighting them through what 2001 through shit. That shit lasted till. Man, that, that shit
1: still going like, on, bro.
2: You know what I'm we're saying? We're still
1: and over there. We listen when America goes somewhere, America don't leave, brother. No, nah, that's nah, why nah. that's why they beefing. That's why Russia was beefing with Uzbekistan because we was about to get a base there. And and uh, Putin said, if you let them in, I'm telling you, y'all gonna regret every decision y'all make from here on out. And soon as they was like, man, we ain't listening to you, we got America on our side. Putin was like, watch this, we're gonna get to you faster than they do. Yeah. You ain't heard nothing else about Uzbekistan, have you?
2: <laughs> nope.
1: All them little Facebook uh uh flags and all that shit been gone for the last 3 months. We ain't heard nothing else about Uzbekistan. We don't even know if it's still a country. <laughs> we ain't heard nothing about Putin, we ain't heard nothing about none of them niggas.
2: Ah, oh, man. That's wild.
1: Oh, real quick before we move on. Crazy shit, right? So the one of the guys in here named Carl Hart, he's a neuroscientist, right? And he's one of the people that they interview about you know what I'm saying the situation, and he was alive during this time and everything else. But dude is a neuroscientist and he's a professor. I forgot where he's a professor at. Bro, do you know that this nigga was doing crack?
0: While it's he was not
1: surprising, no, why he no no, like wait, this is way after he was doing crack. Drugs, all that while teaching at school, like teaching at universities. Dude, neuroscience,
2: man. <laughs> he man.
1: This nigga was no no. It, this wasn't something that he did before. He picked it up like later.
2: Man, that's like that. Uh that, that one dude, he was a journalist. He was yeah. smoking crack and going back and writing papers. Like listen, this.
1: Matter of fact, I think, uh, oh, my God. I don't know if he uh, did the, uh, if he got the Breakfast Club interview or not. But I know Charlemagne had mentioned it. But y'all look up this dude, Carl Hart. bro. This dude's story is crazy, bro. He is a professor. I think he taught it. Hold on. Let me look it up real quick. But dude, he's a professor, and he's a neuroscientist. And this dude was doing shrooms this dude was doing he's a psychologist (laughs) he (laughs) he was he was a a, um he was working at where oh they just showed me he was working at columbia and basically he was doing the drugs to learn about them right that way he can help to get them Decriminalized. So, like, dude was smoking crack, he was doing shrooms, he was doing LSD acid, like dude was going crazy, all the while teaching about psychology and neuroscience at Columbia University. There's nothing black people can't do, bro.
0: <laughs> There's
1: nothing black people can. I don't want to hear nobody else say nothing about a black dude. This dude was uh was high at school teaching neuroscience and
2: psychology that's crazy you want to know something else wild before we get to the fire flames was that what that went that went undercover cop said Mm -hmm. that uh so basically a dude they they told him hey go down the street and go buy some crack and he's like in front of the white house in front of the White House, and so my man go out there. He buy some crack, give it to the person. And then he was like, they say, you know, he see President Bush sitting there holding the same It was
1: Reagan. Bro, I
2: it, it was it Bush. Bush right. You're right. It was Bush. It was
1: Bush.
2: Yeah, it was Bush. He was like, Bush sitting there holding that same crack about that he just bought. Man, just I just <laughs> bought that.
1: He said, that's how I knew it was a setup. Yeah. First and foremost, bro, why would you be selling crack?
2: in front of the white house at all places the dude, white
1: house
2: that's man hey carnell jones man carnell jones and oh what's my other dude name because carnell jones was under another guy before he got big i, I want to say Ray Rayful, Edmonds. i think it was for yeah because yeah. uh yeah they was in dc yeah and they was like yo literally you could see the white house <laughs> he was like no. yo, we out here have you ever been in dc no, I never been to DC. Okay,
1: so let me explain DC to you, right? So DC in Virginia is literally like the weirdest place you you'll ever go because there's no like there's no county lines, like there's no difference between Maryland, Virginia, and DC. All of that shit looks alike. Not only that, like all of their houses are row houses. So, like, you know how you got like a front yard, you might got some yard on the side mm-hmm. and a backyard and like a driveway they don't got none of that bro it's like a house a yard and then it's a house a yard a house a yard like literally like ain't no space and then like you'll be driving right you'll see the white house but like right around the corner from the white house or right right in the back of the white house is the hood
2: yeah like they show video like when you watch the uh the documentaries on, uh, Rayford for Edmonds and um uh, Carnell Jones, it's like
0: mm-hmm. it's
2: like there was just one street that I like that, that was a block. It was like apartment joints, like yeah. or are like kind of like townhouse things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like they were on both sides of the street. And he was like, yo, like just look. <laughs> the White House is right, right there. Was there. there. He, was like, yeah. he was like, dude, we were the murder capital and most of the murders happened right here. You know what I'm saying? Literally, you could maybe not throw a rock, but you know what I'm saying? You get my point. But the White House I mean, is right there.
1: On, you probably could get it on the line. Yeah.
2: yeah. And he's like, yo, this <laughs> was all with all the George dealing murders you know? and all this shit was happening. And you know what I'm saying? He was right there. So, hey, real quick, yeah. though, crack cocaine might not have been
1: that bad, though. And I'll tell you why, because if you think about it, some of the greatest
2: people in the world was doing crack cocaine man, listen, you had people on there talk about, yo, I feel like I could walk to the moon. Really? So one guy on the street high said, yo, I feel like I could walk to the moon right Bobby,
1: now. Bobby and Whitney had a reality show and they were smoking crack. I <laughs> just not playing. Mary, Mary, Mary and Barry brought DC from poverty smoking crack. Oh, and he would have kept them going if he'd have never got caught by that lady. You would have never set him up.
2: This dude right here, y'all. Yo. Telling
1: you, man. Just do a little bit of research. I'm just saying, Carl Hart was teaching at Columbia smoking crack. I'm just saying. It might be something to it. I'm not saying go do it. I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> might be something to it, man. You know, never know. I put it like this. Have you ever seen or heard of a crackhead diet? I'm not talking about getting shot. I ain't talking about getting run over.
2: Well, I mean, naturally died. Well, the story is Lambias, and they say he was sniffing cocaine. though. they changed it to cocaine too. Well, the thing is, is I think the story is kind of you know what I'm saying because first it was cocaine, then it was crack. Like I, I don't know if the people that was in the room really wanted to. You know what I mean? I don't know I if they wanted point. to fix the story or what, but yeah. But then I, you start hearing stuff different. about. Then you start hearing stuff. Oh, well, he might have had some health problems here. And I, man, get the fuck out of here! This was one of the most athletic dudes, that's all dude. I'm, that's I'm, I'm, I was sitting here watching. Um, they was showing like, like during the pandemic because mm-hmm. there were no sports. You know yeah. what I'm saying, dude? They played. Um, I think it was ni- 1983. Um, man, they show Maryland play UNC, Boy, he he's going crazy. Lit Jordan ass up because, like, the first half, he don't have like five points or so shit like that. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker exploded in the second half, yeah. Dropping like 30 something. I'm and, just saying, man, they listen.
1: I don't know what the cause of that they say overdose, right? I ain't never heard nobody yeah. like, overdosing on crack. Well.
2: Think about well, when, when When you start with the free basin shit, yes.
1: Right, nah, because free basin is still cocaine. I said crack.
2: Yeah.
1: I seen a crackhead on YouTube flip off of a two story building, land on his face, get up, and was like, I'm all right, and walk off. <laughs> <Crackhead>. <laughs> crack <laughs> makes it indestructible. That's all I'm saying. It makes <laughs> it indestructible. Cocaine is the, is the bad drug. Crack. Oh, I don't man. know. That shit might be like a superpower for some people. Well, you at, what are. You at? <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Wow. Look into it. Look it up on YouTube. <laughs> crackhead flips off a building. That shit will trip you out. <laughs> this nigga literally did a backflip off a building, landed on this shit, got up and was like, I'm all right and walked off.
0: <laughs> the oh, wildest man. shit
1: I've ever seen in my life. But uh, <laughs> let's get to the fire and flame, man.
2: Man, let's do it.
1: Right. Yoga
0: fire. Yoga flame.
1: Right. Man, my computer be acting so slow. Um so I'm going to give this a 5 only because there's a lot of truth in this documentary and you really have to be paying attention to catch it. But it literally, like this documentary literally breaks down from beginning to end how the government literally set up impoverished people to become criminals and to become addicts and victims. And not only did they do that, they also used... The media to basically put out propaganda against them to further the narrative that these people were criminals and addicts, but they never gave the victim part. And on top of that, the the things that they were, I mean, the routes that they were taking to make this like the creating the term crack baby in, you know, basically locking women up after they're having kids, literally grabbing them off of the the bed after birth before they can even get properly healed and taken care of, and sending them to jail. You know what I'm saying? Sending black men to jail who couldn't find a job or wasn't allowed to get jobs, and basically making it like these dudes are the are the worst criminals. From the police who were who went from robbing the drug dealers to becoming the drug dealers to then going to arrest drug dealers and locking all the drug dealers and then eventually locking addicts up. Like it is, is a really like a menacing plan. And you can really see how America really does everything in their power to set black people back for whatever the reason may be. And, and why we still don't know to this day, some of us have think we have a clue. Some of us are, you know what I'm saying, blind to it. Others are in the mid in the midst of it. But they are doing everything that they can to literally keep us at the tail end of everything in society. And this was one of the um hugest plans that they had. And it worked to a very large extent. But I'm definitely giving this documentary five.
2: Uh, we out of eye on this one, man. I'm I'm going to give it a five as well, man. Shout out to Stanley Nelson, um, you know, for mm-hmm. directing this man. Uh, also, man, shout out to my guy, Nelson George, man. He was a journalist, yeah. man. You yeah, see him in cool. a lot of like a, he was in just about like all the American Gangster joints.
0: And he'd um, be in all the hip hop
2: uh, docs too. Out, yeah, he'd be in the hip hop yeah. docs too, man. So shout out to him. But yeah, man, I'm going to give it a five because they gave us, you know, every aspect of it. They gave us the presidency part of it. They gave us the CIA part of it. They gave us the government part of it. The police part of it. They gave us the background on, you know what I'm saying, the things that Reagan did to even push black people to that brink of point of even getting to this type of stuff. They gave us the stories from the, the the drug dealers. They gave us people that was, you know, functioning crackheads, people that was straight up crackheads, people that were, you know what I'm saying? Yo, know, my life was going in this direction. And like once I started selling drugs and this, you know, they gave us every aspect. The only thing they didn't give us is what I brought up on this documentary was, you know, just for people to get an understanding of how it can get to a point where black people are using government funds and, and food stamps and all this stuff like that. Like you have to understand, like this shit goes way back. You know what I'm saying? It's a trickle down effect. Like they didn't give us that part of it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, it, it, it was it was a great dot. They gave us everything. They gave us the, you know, what I'm saying the Dirty Cops story, where they added, you know, what I'm saying Michael Down to it. That was from the uh, the 75th Precinct. They gave us the, the story of Edward Burns. They didn't really get into Pappy Nation, <laughs> Fat Cat Nichols, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, man, they, they gave us everything. Um, they gave us the facts. They gave us the numbers. So um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna give it a five.
1: Cool, cool,
2: cool. Alright man, so um, last
1: but not least, man, let's get into this coming soon segment, brother. Let's do it.
0: Coming soon to own on video and DVD.
1: So coming soon in the next episode, we have um, a very, very great movie to give you starring Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington. Um, this movie is it, it ain't really too action-packed, but it's definitely like one of those movies where you be on the edge of your seat. It gives because, up a, it give you enough. Yeah, because you cause you just really trying to figure out what's going on, who telling the truth, that kind of thing. Man, we we doing safe house, man, and it's gonna be uh super fun to do this one because I mean it's a Denzel movie. You can't go wrong with a Denzel.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and th- this movie has been on the night <laughs> for a long time, y'all. A long and I got to shout this person out because the original plan, yep. you know what I'm saying, the reason why we haven't done it, because we had this on here for like a year and a half. Yeah, And we was going to have the homie Candace on there, man. Shout out to Candace, But uh, we had some scheduling conflicts, and we wasn't able to, you know, at the time when we tried to do it in the very beginning with Candace, mm-hmm. so we kind of held it off to try to get on schedule, yeah. and we it just kind of got lost in the shuffle. But yeah, man. You know, anytime you can do a Denzel movie, is yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I mean, it ain't what well, ain't gonna be great about it. Then you got somebody just as great as in Ryan Reynolds, um, in the way they was able to put it together. But the story is even doper. Like, mm-hmm. I love the story, man. Um, and why am I blanking, man? There's a, um, there's an actress who ended up being the the, the dirty person. Now I can't remember who she was. Um, um, oh, oh, uh oh, uh oh, oh my god. I'm about she to say Mendez, but it ain't. I'm thinking, no, it, no, no, but, no. She was, she was, she's in a conjuring joints. Um, how can I blank her name? She is the homie. I love her.
1: I got you. Hold on. A, um, Vera
2: Farm, Farmiga, Farmiga. For yeah, fair fair, for Omega. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's the homie. She's in it as well. So yeah, it's going to be fun, though. Safe House, man. I love that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah, it was some, uh, there was some people in this joint,
1: man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I done seen them do some, you know, a bunch of other stuff, but, yeah, they had some people in here, man. This movie was good, though. This is one of the oh, movies yeah. that was, like, sneaky good. Yeah. For sure, I, I, I'm not mad at this movie at all. Yeah, man. So, um, I will say this though: they gave him a trash name, Tobin Frost. Tobin Frost? <laughs> yeah, there, there's no, there's nobody on the planet named Tobin, bro. And if it is, like, they don't live in America. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a horrible name, bro. They gave Ryan Reynolds like a great name, like Matt Weston, and then they Tobin Frost. That, that nigga sound diabolical. <laughs> <Like, laughs> that's crazy. He really sounds like a villain, bro. That that sounds like, like a comic book villain. Tobin Frost ends up becoming the Iceman or something like that. The but, um, Iceman. Wow. Yeah. Check out uh check out uh, check us out on the next episode. And um, like as I said, man, shout out to Candice aka Rhapsody Sister. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She definitely, um, she definitely was supposed to be on this with us. But you know what I'm saying? Even if she can't get on the witness, we gonna do it in her honor, man, because um, she was hype about this one, and she oh, is yeah. also one of the people that definitely supports and always so love. So shout out to you, Candice. Um, and yeah, if you guys like this episode, or you know what I'm saying, you didn't like it, or you know you want to give us a suggestion or what you think we should do, or I don't know. You just want to chat it up with us, man. Hit us up on our socials on Instagram and Twitter at View and On Pod. You can also catch us on Facebook at VA Pod Watch Group, and we will be doing a watch party soon. I know we've been saying that forever, but we are definitely going to get to it. Um, and if you want to um, check me out, man, follow me on Twitter at schools, Bronson. I have a link tree in my bio. You can find me there everywhere else.
2: Yeah, y'all can find me at S. Foster Eight on Instagram and Twitter uh, at 28 minutes or less pie. That's just on IG. Uh, Follow the podcast at 28 minutes or less. Well, just 28 minutes or less on all major platforms. Um, I got something cooking up. It's going to be coming out very soon. Um, But the last podcast is still episode 98. Um, What was the animal kingdom season finale? So go check that out. And some of the old catalog that's on there as well. And um, be looking out for the 4-3 as well, man. Uh, the 4-3 pie coming yep. back at you. It's football season. Yep. um, Yeah, one of the greatest times of the year. So that's all yeah. I got, man. Cannot wait.
1: So um, with that being said, man, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you guys for watching. Uh, until the next episode, like I said, Hollywood, that's a wrap.
2: Cut.